Hello and welcome to Healing From Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of the newest book in my trilogy, A New Life Awaits Spirit-Guided Insights to Support Global Awakening, which shows us that our challenges are not economic, political, societal, but often a disconnect from our inner soul wisdom or soul being, and that understanding our dual nature as both spiritual and physical beings leads to healing, peace, and acceptance of all hardships. Today I welcome Hope Baker, author of Finding Hope, as she shares the story of an open adoption, something I had not heard of before, and uh, you'll be very pleased to learn about, and the pain and depression that often follows that choice until she found a way back to the light and to knowing her choice was the best one for everybody involved. Hello, Hope, and thank you for joining us today to offer solace to the many young women who are unable to care for their infants but love them and wish them the best life possible and to find choices how to proceed in this case. So thank you for joining us. Cheryl, thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to chat with you today. Great. Okay. Hope, as listeners of Feeling From Within have come to expect over the many years, my guests and I share intimate stories and insights into the human condition and the situations that lead us past sorrow, trauma, doubt, to a greater awareness of our true inner soul nature and the reasons why we experience situations that seem daunting but eventually help us to grow in mind, body, and spirit. We are such complicated human and energetic beings, and I believe we do have a life plan and destiny and can triumph no matter what. That's the truth. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Hope Baker shares the details of her earlier life and the adoption process she needed and how it affected her and no matter what stage or type of parenting experience one has there are always shared moments that are relevant to all of us she shares how messy and chaotically beautiful adoption can be and her own struggle and how the community can help you rebuild rebuild your life hope the first question I always like to ask people and I've never changed it because I get the most amazing answers and I think it helps the author look into a a part of themselves that they might have not been thinking about for a while so the question I ask is think back to your childhood and remember a person place event that might have signaled to you or to others around you the values, life path, and interests you would pursue as an adult. So tell us what you remember. (laughs) It's interesting you ask that because the first thing that came to my mind was a moment where I had a teacher. I must have been 10 years old. And I had a teacher give me a really hard time and tell me that I wasn't going to be able to make it in college because I couldn't spell. 
and all these different things. And <laughs> my parents, that's my dad was moving. That's pretty darn awful. Yeah, I, I was you, an elementary you, school teacher for a while. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I mean, how many years later, almost 20 years later, and I'll never forget it. And mm-hmm. it did stick with me for a long time. But that next, I went home that night and I said, I'm never going back to this school. And it was, you know, I told the teacher that I wasn't coming back because in the back of my mind, I knew that I could move with my dad <laughs> who was moving. My whole family was going to be moving in a couple of months, but my dad was moving early. And I went home and I told my parents and I never went back. And I think that that moment of like having this strong willed and using my voice to stand up for myself and walk away from something that I, you know, was really a, <laughs> just uncomfortable and angry with. Well, there um, you were. You you already my life. you already had a soul that knew who you were and would not accept that from another person because you knew you could accomplish things if you tried, and you don't want to hear such negativity. I think that was great. And you know, I had something similar happen. I was in sixth grade. We had just moved, and I was new in the class. And I was a sensitive child, so things affected me. As an empath, I could feel a lot of other people's fear and sensitivity and emotions and pain. I didn't know that at that time. Uh, But I'd either be really joyful and laughing or I'd start to cry. It would just come over me. Well, this teacher, it's a difficult thing to live with, but this teacher walked over, we were singing, and I loved singing. And I didn't have much of a voice, but I just enjoyed being part of the whole, you know, noise, whatever. And she walked over and she stopped by me, and she says, you don't sing, you mouth the words, because you're off tune. So it's exactly what happened to you. Oh she was gosh. she was telling me I was a failure and at something that I enjoyed. Well, I went on to uh be in the gifted class the next year. You know I think graduate college well. by nineteen, have my master's degree by twenty two. I, I you you know, I've done so much in life and I've always had to push myself because I did always have a little fear that maybe I couldn't do it, maybe because of that. Who knows? Yeah. But you see, well, I, I always push myself. Forget what? Forget what? We forget that those things that happen in our childhood frame who we are as a person. Exactly. I mean, and things we can't even remember, right? Well, you remember that. You, you know what it is? I'm going to tell our audience. I, I usually say this. Nothing is random. We came into this life, us, our big soul, a little soul, our energy soul, however you want to look at it, as having a plan, a destiny, and challenges we would face. And yes, what happened to me and what happened to you were supposed to. So I'm not going to blame anyone. It made us who we are. It showed us that we could pick ourselves up from a challenge and go on to the next one and create something beautiful and loving. So 
nothing is, is good or bad. It just is. And we have to deal with whatever happens, as you're going to talk about very shortly. So let's go on to, tell us about, I know you had two pregnancies, one in high school and one in college. So tell us the difference between the two and what you decided to do the second time. Yeah, so when I was in high school, um, I did get pregnant, and I found out very early, um, so I did have an abortion, and, you know, I remember my mom picking me up from school, and I told her, this is what I think is going on, we need to go get a pregnancy test, because I'd shown up at school, she took me, we got the results, and, you know, my mom jumped into, you know, mama bear mode and wanted me to, you know, know what my options were and all the above. So we went to, you know, we scheduled an abortion. And that next week we went to Fargo, North Dakota, and I had an abortion. And then fast forward to when I was 21, um, I got pregnant again. And my freshman year of college, I was told, that I, it would be challenging for me to have children. So when I, you know, was pregnant when I was 21, I actually got really sick. It was during finals in college, and I had just been really, really ill. And I didn't know I was pregnant because at the same time that I, the, the night I had gotten pregnant that very next morning, my mother and dad sat me down and told me that my mom had breast cancer. So for the next, yeah. (laughs) So little did I know I, you know, what had happened that night and then that next day and the next months were just consumed with taking care of my little brother, taking care of my mom, you know, trying to be there for her after her, gosh, she had 12, 13 surgeries. Um, and so I found out I was pregnant when I, you know, got really sick during that finals week, went home and I went into the clinic in my hometown because my mom looked at me and said, your skin is gray. Um, something's not right. Um, so I went in and they took an x-ray, took my blood, took my urine and the x-ray technician actually, as they were leaving, saw what they this is how they said it to me, a skeleton in my abdomen. So I found out I was pregnant when I was 20 weeks by an x-ray. A um, little bit of a, So you didn't have you know. time to, you didn't have time to find out early about this one because there was too much else going on. Now you had thought about having uh, another abortion, but uh, the doctor that uh, treated you in that clinic in Alexandria thought you were far enough along to maybe finish it and give the child up for adoption. So you had a choice. You had a choice, but you didn't really have so much of a choice because I think you were about five months pregnant by now. Yeah, right? there actually are states. So there are states that would still do an abortion. And I, I mean, I just remember at the clinic saying, what are my options? I mean, I couldn't even believe when we figured out how pregnant I was. It was just, it was a shock. But the, the only positive in this whole situation, and this is, 
kind of what you said earlier. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. It when is. When my mom was diagnosed with cancer, I stopped drinking. I had quit smoking. I just wanted to do everything I could to get healthy because I was so scared about what had just happened to my mom. And I didn't want that to happen to me. So all this time I was, I was growing a child inside me and making all of these healthy choices that I probably normally wouldn't have. And we always say that, you know, my mom and I talk about that all the time, how her cancer was of course, you know, terrible and traumatizing and all the things. But at the same time, you know, I it affected you in a positive. It, it affected mm-hmm. you in a positive way. Yes, absolutely. So it was meant to be just that. Many people learn from other people's happenings. I'm going to call them. I don't want to call them always challenges or traumas. Happenings. They're they're happenings. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you did decide to 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 have this child and give it up to, for adoption. Now, uh, so when, how did you navigate all the material about adoption and what, I mean, you were young. You weren't like 20, 21. It was a lot to absorb to know what to do. So how did you go about that? Well, you know, I went back and forth. I mean, there were times when, you know, in that first month or so where I wanted to keep my child. And I thought, I, you know, although I am a poor college student and, you know, I don't have my life together yet because I'm still trying to build the foundation to it, I can be a mom. And then, you know, I went back and forth of what to do. And when I, you know, decided on adoption, I mean, the adoption process is, (laughs) it's interesting because if you're an expectant mom, which is what... If a woman who is pregnant and looking to potentially place her child for adoption, they're, they're, we're called, they were called expectant moms. That's what uh, the term is, you know, to be used. So as an expectant mom, when you start Googling adoption or when you put your name on any agency's page, that next day you've got all sorts of pamphlets, adoption books, everything showing up at your door. And so it was really quite overwhelming once I put, you know, like if you want more information about something, but in the adoption world, when you do that, I mean, it is, they're calling you, they're texting you, they're emailing you, they're putting stuff in the mail. It was pretty overwhelming, but my mom and I collectively probably looked at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different hopeful families who were looking to adopt a child. And, you know, I talked to, people who had actually, you know, my sister had found on Facebook and that felt all too close. And then I, I settled on, I was looking on the two coasts of the country. I mean, I thought that I was in Minnesota. I thought I needed to be far away for this to, to work. Like, how could I be so close? So I was looking on the East Coast and the West Coast. And lo and well, behold. Yeah, how did you find out about an open adoption? Tell us about an open adoption and how you found out about that and how it has worked out for you and and the woman who adopted your son. Yes. So when I met my, um, you know, now she's his mom, but when I met her then, her 
adoption books showed up on the side of Google like an ad. And she was very clear in her book, like her profile book about profile books basically show, you know, what kind of life they're going to give your child. And she wanted an open adoption. And before I was in the adoption world, I mean, I didn't necessarily know what things meant. Closed is, you know, you don't even know the women don't even know the, the name of their child. They have no information, no access, nor does the child or the adoptive family. There is absolutely zero access to anything in a closed adoption. And then an open adoption, which is, you know, what that, you know, his mom wanted and what I figured out that I wanted. Um, I get to see him a couple times a year. She sends me picture books. You know, I, I actually just got one in the mail last week. We FaceTime. And, and he knows you're his birth mother. He knows that. Yes, he does. Well, you know, yes. I, I kind of think most adoptions should be this way because I find that, I, you know, I'm a Reiki master teacher. I have people come to me uh, with issues that hold them back from being as happy and uh, purposeful in life as they could be. And many, many adopted children have a sadness when they find out usually later on down the road. They feel like they were rejected. There was something wrong with them. And and yeah. that's unhealthy. But understanding that your parent was simply too young and not ready and you wanted them to have a better life with a mature person who was able to give them a better life, that is a wonderful thing. And you... They know you. You're part of their life. And I, I, I was very happy to f learn about this because I wasn't aware of this. I've only heard about adoptions where, where the people never know. And they do eventually find out as grown-ups. And they, they are wounded by it. It is a trauma for them. So this is a wonderful thing. And, uh, and you like the woman. She's, uh, kept in touch with you she even helped you when you were pregnant and uh to, for me this is like a good way to go for many more people yeah, yeah. so let's well, go on. and i think yeah go on um i was just gonna mention i mean i think that in the way adoption began closed adoptions were what people did because First off, an unwed mother who is pregnant or a young, you know, mother who's pregnant, nobody wanted that was considered shameful. So everything was always a secret. And if you look into studies on on adoptees, you know, kids who were adopted and closed adoption or had didn't know their birth parents, they're always searching for the biology. Yes. Whether they're looking for people who look like them or they're, you know, searching now genetics and twenty three and me. Adoptees, even if they are so happy with their adoptive families and they had the best life, you cannot deny biology and the genetic mirroring that is needed. And it is extremely traumatic. I know a lot of adult adoptees who are searching and paying private detectives just to find their biology, yeah. to find their birth parents, to find their birth families. Not that they didn't love their adoptive parents and their upbringing, but they need to know where they, they come from. Have they have a sadness within them, within their heart, within their soul, that they were rejected and they feel it's their fault. 
And this is not a good way for a child to begin, even if they're in a wonderful family, a loving family. Yep. And so I think this open adoption, I hope it's being used a lot now because it really seems to me to be the right way. And I don't think there's as much, um, you know, uh, the same feeling about a person who gets pregnant and decides to give their child up for adoption. I don't think it's the same way anymore. I I would certainly hope that a lot of that has changed. Those are the challenges in, in um, the adopt the adoption process. That's part of the challenge, getting beyond the prejudice and the thinking yep. of other people. So can you tell us some of the people who most supported you at that time of your life, and are they still active in your life? I liked reading about all the people that you Yeah, so it's interesting because my mom is probably the most, you know, although we had really, really challenging times while I was pregnant, I will say that she has always been, you know, I think the biggest, at least person who was there for me and now we're extremely close. So it's, you know, my mom and I went through extreme up and downs when I, when I was placing my son and everything that followed, it was messy, but her and I have worked a lot of that out the last couple of years where now it just feels nice to have somebody who experienced a lot of it with me and, you know, can empathize when it's, Christmas and I'm crying and I, I can't control it and I have to leave where everybody is because I'm so sad because I miss my son. It's, you know, my mom gets it and she understands and it's just nice to have that kind of person in my life. And, you know, I was engaged and had a partner and although that relationship ended, um, right kind of when COVID started after I, after I wrote my book and published it, I mean, he was, and still to this day, although we're not together, one of the, I mean, he changed my life. He Is that Bushama? Are we talking about yep. Bushama, yep. who, who you met in <laughs> London? Yep. That was quite a story. Yep. <laughs> yes, okay. He, he came, he, he added something to your life, as all relationships. I always tell all my clients, every relationship lasts as long as it must for us to experience or learn something or share something. And nothing is ever lost. You see, people think in terms yeah. of loss. In the universal scheme of thing, every memory and experience we have is within our soul energy. And we take it with us beyond this life because consciousness survives, in my estimation, in my awareness, uh, physical life. And it's always part of us. And sometimes we crisscross and we meet souls in another time and place in another way and still experience new things with them. So nothing is is ever lost. So what would you like Absolutely. people to take? So what would you, briefly, what would you like people to take away from your book? I think, you know, the biggest thing is that as you read it, I mean, you know, there's times where it's sad and it's dark and, I certainly, you know, it brings emotion out of me because I lived it. But I do truly believe that even though life can be so dark and so scary at times, there is always a way out of it. And I truly believe that one of the biggest things that 
changed my narrative and changed the course of my life was searching for that light and really changing the language I use. I mean, it sounds so simple, but rather than being having a negative thought or thinking that I was bad because I did this or I was, you know, all of these negative things, I started to be grateful about things and yes. speak about myself in a positive way. And I tell you, I, I'm not saying I believed it at first, but in time, I started to believe the things I was saying, and it truly changed the course of my life. And I know some people say to me, okay, that doesn't, how can that be real? But it is real. If you can change the language that you're using about yourself and about your life and about your past, present, and future, I truly believe that you can change your life. Absolutely. Thoughts are energy action. They can never uh, they they will always exist the thoughts so if we get better thoughts we create a better self and a better life and we serve others and ourselves and you wrote that the key was gratitude for your life and acceptance for having a child and making a good choice in picking the adoptive mother to raise him so i want to thank you hope baker author of finding hope for sharing your story and the implications of having a child and using the adoption process which you thought best for both of you and for your families and how in time you came to deal with that challenge with love and courage and now offer hope to others who may find themselves in that same position they may come to know Whatever choice you have to make is the right choice. And no matter how it turns out, it offers opportunities for personal growth and can lead to positive results. To find out more about the open adoption process and how to deal with it, go to hopeobaker.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, Hope Baker has shared her incredibly successful family and friends and work life after having a child while in college and going into an open adoption where she was still able to maintain contact with the adoptive mother and her birth son. Along the way, she found her soul, herself, love and purpose. Nothing could be better than that. So from the challenges of younger days, we can evolve into the finest version of ourselves and move past fear, doubt, self-recrimination to find peace and happiness. Hope shares with us and writes, Looking back, I can pinpoint moments in my life where my self-sabotage spiked. My drinking put me in a lot of scary situations where I didn't always have control or feel safe. I've had lots of sexual interactions with men before having my son and after, and not many of them sober. I use sex like I use drugs to get high to take my mind off the pain. If I couldn't feel love, I wanted to feel something. Don't get me wrong. I am a firm believer that people are entitled to sleep with whoever they want, however often they want. Sex with a stranger? Well... Go for it. Live your life. It's not bad that I was having sex with all these people. It's bad that I was making that decision not out of joy and love, 
for my own body, but out of sadness, out of self-destruction. It took finding a true love to see that it took finding myself. Unfortunately, I now know I spent almost five years trying to fill a void that didn't need to be filled. The person I am now writing this book, being a stepmom, a good partner, traveling to see my family, spending time with my son, trying to build a social following to help other people. I could never have done this, not in a million years. Now not only am I doing them, but I'm doing them well. In my new book, A New Life Awaits, Spirit Guided Insights to Support Global Awakening, I share that thought, that each day is a new day to choose love over fear, connect with people in our lives, and find the beauty of nature, people, places, and life itself, and indeed, never judge anyone. Through all trauma, know you are not alone for there are those souls in spirit and here, right here on earth, to support and help us always. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and invite you to visit my website to read about and listen to authentic people sharing the truth about their lives, change makers of these times, brave souls who share insights into the world of new beginnings, love, health, prosperity, purpose, and finding the truth of our dual nature as spiritual beings having a physical life. Remember, nothing is right or wrong, good or bad. It just is. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.